Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through numbers in our travels through the wilderness with chapter 10. In verse 1, Now the Lord said to Moses, Make two trumpets of hammered silver for calling the community to assemble and for signaling the breaking of camp. So first of all, these are silver hammered trumpets. And silver is a metal that represents redemption. In verse 3, When both trumpets are blown, everyone must gather before you at the entrance of the tabernacle. But if only one trumpet is blown, then only the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel, must be present themselves, must present themselves to you. So the first reason that the trumpet is used is to call assembly, to call the people to assemble together. Based on the number of blows, it would be who would gather. In verse 5, when you sound the signal to move on, the tribes camped on the east side of the tabernacle must break camp and move forward. So the second reason is to set out, to move forward. Let's go. In verse 6, when you sound the signal a second time, the tribes camped on the south will follow you, and you must sound short blasts as the signal for moving on. But when you call the people to an assembly, blow the trumpets with a different signal. Only the priests, Aaron's descendants, are allowed to blow the trumpets. This is a permanent law for you, to be observed from generation to generation. When you arrive in your land and go to war against your enemies who attack you, sound the alarm with the trumpets. Then the Lord your God will remember you and rescue you from the enemies. So the third reason the trumpets are used is for when there's battles coming. In verse 10, blow the trumpet in times of gladness too, sounding them at your annual festivals and at the beginning of each month, and blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and peace offerings. The trumpets will remind your God of his covenant with you. I am the Lord your God. So the last reason that they would blow the trumpets would be to celebrate when they have their feasts and their celebrations and they offer their offerings. And the God is faithful to his people and he's leading them and saving them. And the trumpets are used as they move through the wilderness. And the last trumpet that we hear will be the trumpet of the coming of Jesus. The sound of the trumpet will be blown and Jesus will come forth. And when the first trumpet is sounded, the people will gather together. And the second trumpet that is sound, they were set apart to march on, to move forward. And when the trumpet is sounded at Jesus' return, we're going to all gather together and we're going to move forward. We're going to come up to Jesus and we're going to go with Jesus. And then there's going to be a big battle. It's going to be the tribulations that'll be starting at this trumpet when Jesus returns. And it'll start a battle like we've never seen before on the face of the earth. And then finally, there's going to be a celebration. Jesus wins the battle and the enemy is defeated. And there's going to be great celebration in this. And it just, the, this trumpet section just reminds me of that and the coming time that we still have yet to see when Jesus returns, which I feel like is going to be very soon. In verse 11, in the second year after Israel's departure from Egypt, on the 20th day of the second month, the cloud lifted from the tabernacle of the covenant. Oh, here we go. We're going to head out, heading towards the promised land. This is our first move, our first official move. 
Verse 12, So the Israelites set out from the wilderness of Sinai and traveled on from place to place until the cloud stopped in the wilderness of Paran. When the people set out for the first time, following the Lord's instructions that he had given through Moses, Judah's troops led the way. They marched behind their banner, and their leader was Nashon, the son of Aminadab. In Judah's troop is the lion, the lion of Judah. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, and Jesus leads our way. He leads us wherever we go if we're willing to follow him. In verse 15, they were joined by the troops of the tribe of Issachar, led by Nathaniel, son of Zuar, and the troops of the tribe of Nebulun, led by Eliab, the son of Helen. Then the tabernacle was taken down, and the Gershonite and Merarite divisions of the Levites were next in line of march, carrying the tabernacle with them. Reuben's troops went next, marching behind their banner. Their leader was Eleazar, son of Shediar, and they were joined by the troops of the tribe of Simeon, led by Shulumiel, son of Zerashadai, and the troops of the tribe of Gad, led by Elesiaph, the son of Duewel. Next came Gohathite, the division of the Levites, carrying the sacred objects from the tabernacle. Before they arrived at the next camp, the the tabernacle would be ready to set up at its new location. Ephraim's troops went next, marching behind their banner. Their leader was Elishama, the son of Amihud, they were joined by the troops of the tribe of Manasseh, led by Gamaliel, the son of Padazur, and the troops of the tribe of Benjamin, led by Abidan, son of Gideani. Dan's troops went last, marching behind their banner and serving as the rear guard for all the tribal camps. Their leader was Hazar, son of Amashidiah, and they were joined by the troops of the tribe of Asher led by Pegiel, the son of Okran, and the troops of the tribe of Naphtali, led by Ahari, the son of Enan. This was the order in which the Israelites marched, division by division. One day Moses said to his brother-in-law, Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, We are on our way to the place that the Lord has promised us, for he said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised wonderful blessings for Israel. So Moses wants his brother-in-law to come with him. He's begging him to come with us. The Lord has promised good things. And that's what we need to be doing to everyone around us. Come with me. Jesus is returning soon. Come with me. He promises us good eternal life. In verse 30, But Ahobab replied, No, I will not go. I must return to my own land and family. Please don't leave us, Moses pleaded. You know the places in the wilderness where we should camp. Come, be our guide. If you do, we'll share with you all the blessings that the Lord gives us. They marched for three days after leaving the mountain of the Lord with the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moving ahead of them to show them where to stop and rest. As they moved on each day, the cloud of the Lord hovered over them. And whenever the ark set out, Moses would shout, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. And when the ark was set down, he would say, Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. So with, at every step in the journey, he cries out to God. In chapter 11, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire of rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as Tibera, which means the place of burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them there. 
So we have the first of the sin cycle starting. It didn't take long and people started complaining and grumbling, but the prayer of Moses stopped. Prayer is powerful and it stopped the fire. In verse 4, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Here we have the second cycle of complaining already. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish that we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone, and all we ever see is this manna. Here we have the power of our memory and how it can deceive us. They did not eat buffets of glorious food in Egypt. They were abused. They were they were in slavery. They were... um. They were being abused and punished, and they were burdened, and they were slaves. They were treated horribly. But in their memory, they're thinking that they just ate buffets of food everywhere. They're forgetting their hardship. In verse 7, The manna looked like small corridor seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. And the manna, God provided the manna for them. He provided food for over 2 million people daily, and they grumbled. The manna they received was all they would ever need, but still they complained and grumbled. And grumbling starts fires in camps and in any group committed to serving God together, churches, relationships, marriages, fire spreads. So it's important to always have a thankful, grateful heart and leave the grumbling and complaining. In verse 10, Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became very angry. Moses was also very aggravated, and Moses said to the Lord, Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all of these people by myself. This load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me the misery. So we are here we're in the second cycle of the sin of the Israelites and the complaining and the grumbling. And Moses is complaining about their complaining to God. And there's a whole lot of eyes going on here. He He's overwhelmed. I can't do this. Why did you give this to me? I can't carry this. And this load is too heavy. And he's having suicidal thoughts. Just go ahead and end my life. I quit. Do me a favor. Get me out of this misery. The load is too heavy, and what he does is he cries out to God. When our loads feel too heavy, we can cry out to God. God wants us to cry out to him. In the Israelites are supposed to be having thankful hearts. God rescued them. God is carrying them. God is leading them. God is feeding them. But instead, they're grumbling and complaining because it's just not enough for them. In verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, he answers out to Moses. Moses cries out to God in his misery, and God answers him. Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. 
Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also, and they will bear the burden of the people along with you. So you will not be carrying it alone. So he comes and he helps Moses out and he shares the burden. He puts the burden along with a community. He creates a community. We were made for community to lean on each other, help each other, and rely on each other. In verse 18, And say to the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have it to eat. And it won't be just for a day or two or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined to him, saying, Why did we ever leave leave Egypt? And here, God hears their every single complaint, and he gets to the heart of the matter. He, Every single grumble and complaint is heard by God and committed to God, and the complaints are against God himself. And it's like playing with fire. In verse 21, but Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month. Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? So here Moses is questioning the power of God. He's seen what God can do and he's still questioning the power of God. And God answers him in verse 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my words come true. So we need to keep our eyes on God. And remember, God is all powerful. And I love God's slight sarcasm in this. Like, who am I, God? I've got the power. Do not forget this. In verse 24, So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. He gathered 70 leaders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. And then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind in the camp. And they were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet the spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. Then Moses returned to the camp with elders, with the elders of Israel. The Holy Spirit comes to everyone who believes. And this comes true right after Jesus' resurrection. The Holy Spirit comes down to everybody. And Moses is saying, don't be jealous for my sake. He wants people to do the God's work. He wants people to have God's spirit. And we shouldn't be jealous of each other's gifts or callings. We should support, encourage, and be there rallying each other on because the goal is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is returning soon. And we want everybody to be in heaven with us. In verse 31, Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. 
But while they were gorging themselves on the meat, while it was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. So this place was called Kilbroth Hatava, which means graves of gluttony, because they were buried because there they buried the people who had craved meat from Egypt, from Kilbroth Hadav to Israelites. The Israelites traveled to Hazaroth, where they stayed for some time. So they had two days of coil, and the grumbling was the spark to the flame. The grumbling and the non-thankfulness and the wishing they were back in the evil instead of with God in his, in his presence, it brought the spark. If God's manna is not enough, nothing will be. And if Jesus doesn't satisfy you, nothing in this world ever will because Jesus is everything and he brings more than this world could ever in every single way in our lives. So that completes chapter 10 and 11 and we'll continue and see where they go from here in the wilderness.